We hope you enjoy our homily podcast. Please consider supporting the ministry of Our Lady of Lourdes by donating to the Future Full of Hope Capital Campaign at lourdesdenver.org. We are so grateful for your support. Several years ago, I was up on a 14er and uh, finishing mass, kind of packing everything down on top of the mountain, and a guy comes up to me who had been at the summit with me, and he says, Father, what church are you with? And I said, Catholic Church. And he immediately said, well, I'm a member of the First Church of the Rockies. This is my church, everything around me. And I said, very clever. And I kept kind of putting my stuff away because I didn't want to talk to him. Uh, but he continued, and he said, uh, you know, Father, he said, he says, you're living for the next life. You're living for the next world, for heaven. He says, that's fine. I respect that. But me, I'm living for this life. I'm living for right now. I'm living for today, for this mountain. That's why I'm a member of the First Church of the Rockies. And I said, that's interesting. I said, let me ask you a couple questions. I put this stuff down, and I said, number one, I said, creation is obviously... Uh, significant for you, a place where you find God, correct? And he said, yeah. And I said, creation is beautiful, but let me ask you this. Does history mean anything to you? Does history mean anything to you? Does it come to bear at all on your worldview, on your religious expression? Does history mean anything to the First Church of the Rockies? And he said, well, I, I guess not. And I said, well, that's precisely where we differ. And I said, and that's okay. We share creation but Christianity exists on the foundation of a historical event. History is everything for us. It's not just about creation. And I went on to talk a little bit about how in my earlier life, there was a desperate pursuit for God, for the transcendent, within creation, within created things. And that what led me back to Christ and led me back to the Catholic Church was the experience of finding God not just in creation, but in history. And that history became my history, my story, and that's what led me to today. I haven't seen him since, but I've thought about that noble pagan up on that mountaintop for a number of years. Also thought about, I could have been a lot nicer to him, you know. Uh, that's the first thing, you know, just being a little nicer of a person. Um, I also liked his audacity to speak to me that way. I liked the honesty. I found it really refreshing. Uh, even if at first I found it a bit annoying. It's, a, it's helpful that he just says exactly what he thinks, which is, the noble pagan lifestyle of the modern secular Coloradan is in the pursuit of God in creation apart from history, and it has nothing to do with history. And I think that's a very interesting starting point for us in our conversations. Because when you start to look at history, then you start to realize that creation is not everything, right? Because what is history? History is the work of rational animals, these beings that had souls, that had capacities that far exceeded any animals, to all of a sudden relate in such a way as to create a story, right? We had this, this is my dad, uh, Deacon Darrell, you know him better than me, but we had a dog named Niblet, right? Niblet was a yellow lab. Niblet was light. Niblet's going to be in purgatory for thousands of years for sloth and gluttony, but I think we agree on that. And Niblet was a lovely dog. Niblet's life wasn't a narrative, because Niblet didn't have the capacity. Niblet wasn't interested in history, right? Because Niblet's life existed of get up, eat, sleep, and then repeat the next day. Maybe get petted, you know, be nice. That's what animals do. Human beings create history. They create culture because they're persons. 
And we educate human beings in history because history expresses the collectivity of human thought, right? It expresses what we call Western civilization, which is the, the greatness and the treasury, right? The patrimony that comes with being a human being, with being able to know truth, to love goodness, and to be filled and inspired with beauty. It's in history that we have the account of how man comes to understand creation. And so history is something that builds and develops out of creation. And it's at that point that the noble pagan has to check out. And here's why. We're living in a post-Christian culture, right? Atheism is a distinctively post-Christian reality. We don't think of it like that very often. But modern atheism, right, this kind of I don't need anything, this is a distinct rejection of the Christian claim. And what is the Christian claim? That God himself became man in history. Jesus Christ is a historical event. He's a fact. It happened in history. He's not some kind of cosmic energy in creation. He's a real man real, real, that God really assumed humanity as a real man who lived a real human life in a historical moment. And that historical moment stands at the center of human history. And everything before it built from it, built to it, and everything after it flows from it. That center of history is the moment of intelligibility of all of human history. And it itself is the source and the origin of our understanding of what creation actually is. You see, to be a Christian means very simply to say, I affirm, I assent to that historical fact, which is the God-man, Jesus Christ. I say and I build my life upon the redemptive incarnation of the God-man as the central and definitive act of all history. And my story, my my participation in history, only makes sense by immersing it in that central fact and central key, which is the God-man. History is everything for the Christians. It's everything. But it's also more complicated than that. And this is where we get to the third piece. If you go from creation to history, there's another step. And we go from history to what we'll call eschatology. I'm teaching eschatology in the uh, spring, so I'm thinking about this a lot. And Father Brian said, don't get into your boring uh, eschatology stuff. Keep it on the gospel. And I was like, okay, we'll land it into the gospel, I promise. But history is important because history stands between creation and eschatology. Eschatology just means the end times, right? The eschaton, the end. There's an end. Something started and something ended. And history is the line in between the two, right? The origin and the end. And we have to consider the eschaton, the end times, in relationship to creation, the beginning, in order to understand the meaning of history, in order to understand the meaning of today, Just as history makes sense in light of developing and flowing out of creation, so too history is living in tension with eschatological hope. And that marks and distinguishes the Christian. We don't just believe human history is good, right? There's a lot of people who believed history was good. One of them's name is Karl Marx. And Marx said exactly what my friend said up on that mountaintop. Christians are blissed out living for the next life. We're going to build a better world right now. And so he writes his Communist Manifesto. And communism for the last hundred years has set out to build a better world because we're going to show the Christian failure and the Christian project as being non-worldly, so to speak. And this is problematic. We stand in the world. We're decisively in the world, right? 
But we believe in history not as this kind of optimistic thing that's getting better all the time, which is the root of Marxism. It's not this kind of natural progress. It's not something that we do. It's something that God accomplished, but he accomplished in tension with the end, the eschaton. History exists within eschatological tension. And again, what does this mean? What is this significant? Return back to the central fact of all history, the redemptive incarnation of Jesus Christ, God made man. Because Jesus is God, he doesn't just act in history. He acts as God in history. And because he acts as God in history, it's literally the eternity of God breaking into history, breaking into time. In, in the God-man is the union of eternity and time. And his actions are not just in time. They are eternal. And so Jesus accomplishes in history everything that is done. It's fulfilled. It's over. It's finished. God has accomplished the salvation of the world. Everything is reconciled in Jesus. But it also is not yet because we're still living in history. That's eschatological tension. That's the claim of the Christian. You know this, you just won't make it as complicated because that's what we do as professors. We take simple things and make them complicated, right? But you know deep down, I'm living in history, I'm living in time, and I'm living in the mystery and the tension that Jesus has fulfilled and perfected my life, my history, my purpose. But it's also not finished in a mysterious way. And so we live our lives in history in eschatological tension. A final piece to conclude. Remember, you are not to prepare your defense beforehand, for I myself shall give you a wisdom in speaking that all your adversaries will be powerless to resist or refute. To live in the historical fact of Jesus, which is fulfilled eschatologically, is a tremendous gift. Why? Because it gives us this virtue, this unique, particular gift that's been lost to modern man called wisdom. Wisdom. I will give you a wisdom in speaking, says Jesus in our gospel today. Wisdom is life reconfigured towards and in Jesus in relationship to the end of time. Think of it this way. The reason I had that conversation with that guy on the mountaintop was because I'm a celibate man, which means I've renounced one of the greatest goods in life, if not the greatest natural good, marriage, for what? for the end times, to be a sign, to be a living eschatological sign in history right now. He says to me, you're living for the next world because I'm living for this world. You gave up everything. You gave up marriage. You gave up this. You renounced everything. You Christians, renounce, renounce, renounce. Everything into Jesus. But from that comes wisdom. And I invite you today to ask yourselves this question. Is my life eschatological? Is there an eschatological witness to the way that I'm living out my faith in my family life, in my, in my marriage, in my workplace? Are my children understanding that we renounce things in love of Jesus because we know that everything's fulfilled, everything is perfected, nothing is lost in him? And so that when we meet our friends on the mountaintop or your friends in the workplace and they belong to the First Church of the Rockies, we can inspire in them something greater than creation, as good and as beautiful as the Rocky Mountains are. Human history in Christ Jesus, fulfilled eschatologically, this is the gift of the Christian faith. This is the hallmark of our life, and this is the source of the wisdom by which we live and order our everyday life.
Amen.